Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, that, that's just not something we say, you know. That's not just a nice thing to, to rhyme off on Easter Sunday morning. That is the reality of where we stand this morning, that Christ is risen. Uh, and what I want to do is turn to a portion of God's word to help us understand why, uh, even as, as Paul, uh, sorry, as Jonathan and Jack have helped us already this morning, why that is so significant, why the resurrection is so important. But can you imagine being there on that first glorious morning? As the women make their way to the tomb, and again, Jonathan read this from Luke 24 earlier, which was so helpful for us. Uh, and they, they, they don't find the body there. No, but they're told by the angelic messengers, he's not here. He is risen. And they rush back to tell the disciples who, who struggle to, to comprehend. Indeed, later on in, in Luke 24, they say that it seemed like nonsense to them. And the, the, these, these events that had taken place on Good Friday had shattered them. Let's be under no illusions that emotionally and physically, maybe even spiritually, they were shattered. Saturday had been a long and dark and hopeless day. Questions arose over their whole time that they'd spent with Jesus because things hadn't worked out the way that they had expected them to. But now dawn had broken on Easter Sunday morning and this incredible resurrection message had been brought to them. Could it be true? As as many of you know, as the story unfolds um, many of those disciples do eventually become persuaded some take longer than others but they do accept this glorious resurrection news and maybe it was when jesus appeared to them maybe it was when they could see his hands and his feet they could touch his resurrected body maybe they could it was when they could share breakfast with him on the the shore of the sea of galilee or maybe for some even we're told at the end of matthew's gospel that even when they gathered and jesus was about to ascend still some doubted But still, he commissioned them to go, and he sent his spirit to them. They began witnessing to him throughout uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And as Christ established his church, surely there was certainty about the fact that he was the risen Lord and the risen King. Uh, And from the early church growing throughout the Roman Empire of the first century, right up to our gathering here today, the Easter account of Jesus' death and resurrection is the pivotal moment of human history. It is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, there were some then and there still remains many today who doubt the reality of the resurrection. And from our logical, rational, limited human minds, of course we struggle to accept this truth. But the Bible makes clear that there is no doubt in the events of Resurrection Sunday. And the Bible goes further than just stating the facts of that day. God, through his word, helps to explain why the resurrection is so important. Not just the historical reality that it happened, but why is that so important? Why is that crucial? What are the implications of it? And once we see those implications, we see just how central the truth of the resurrection is to the gospel. It is the gospel message. And so, as we saw on Friday evening, for those who gathered for communion, we we thought then about why the cross was crucial. And so this morning, I want us to consider why the resurrection is crucial. And we're going to do that by looking at one passage of Scripture in in 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to turn there, that would be wonderful. And please use the the chair Bibles in front of you if you don't have a, a copy of God's Word with you or can't look one up on a device. But 1 Corinthians 15, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And clearly, there, there have been questions raised about the Christian claims of the resurrection. 
Not just the resurrection of Jesus, but therefore the resurrection of God's people, those who believe and follow in Jesus. But as we've said, if the resurrection is central to the truth of the gospel, then these questions over the validity of the resurrection and and the truth of it, they need to be dealt with. If the resurrection is a central pillar on which the gospel stands, we cannot doubt it. We can't just let these questions slide by and hope that they work themselves out. No, these are crucial for us. They must be addressed. Because as we'll see in this passage, to not believe the resurrection is to not believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the flip side is opposite, is, is true. To believe in the resurrection of Jesus is to grasp hold of his gospel. And that's what I hope that we will leave joyfully with today. And as we look at 1 Corinthians 15, we're, we're mainly going to focus uh, from verse 12 through to verse 22. But up until that point, Paul begins the chapter by laying out what the true gospel is. And we see this in verse 3 and 4. For what I, passed, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is crucial. This is the gospel. This is the, 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 the summary of all of, of what Jesus has done. I re- what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then Paul goes on. See, that's the heart of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again according to the scriptures. And notice that Paul references that and repeats according to the scriptures twice. Because of course, Paul is showing that the death and resurrection of Jesus is and always was God's salvation plan. Jesus made it clear to the disciples many times as we've thought about this week. God made it clear through the prophets to his people in the Old Testament. The Messiah would come. The Messiah had to suffer. The Messiah would rise again. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ had done. And this, Paul says, is of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again according to the scriptures. This is the the kernel of the gospel. And Paul then goes on to say how Jesus appeared to his his disciples, uh, more than 400 of them at one time, we see in verse 6. And then finally, the risen Jesus appears to Paul himself on the Damascus Road, which is recorded for us in Acts 9. The point is clear that Paul is making. Christ had died. He was buried, but Christ was, is raised. He is alive. And Paul is encouraging, urging, in fact, the Corinthian Christians, you have to believe this. You must believe this. To believe the gospel is to believe this. And this is good news. This is the gospel, the good news message. And and to demonstrate why the resurrection is crucial, Paul actually has this masterful discussion. And we know, of course, God is behind the writing of his word. But at Paul's pen, we see this masterful unpacking of, well, if the resurrection isn't true, and then Paul lays out all the implications of that. And so to show the validity and the the essentialness of the resurrection, Paul actually explains what what would happen if the resurrection was not true. And so in in essence, his argument goes, if, then, but. And I would add, so. If the resurrection doesn't happen, then these are the implications. But, verse 20. And then the implications of that are the opposite of all the ifs that Paul has talked about. Hopefully all of that will become clear. It was clear in my mind, but maybe not yet with you guys. Um, but it will, it will hopefully be there. And you'll see it as we read through this wonderful passage of God's word in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. As I said, we're going to start in verse 12, even though I've written uh, verse 15 on the screen. But we're starting at verse 12. 
But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people most to be pitied. But, how many times have we read that in Scripture? Throughout the New Testament, there are these glorious truths that hang on this word, but things are going this one way, but, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. If, then, but. It's an amazing argument, and I wonder if you spotted all those ifs. And Paul's helping the, the Corinthians, and therefore God, through his eternal and inspired word, is helping us to recognize that if we don't hold tightly and grasp the implications and the, the, the importance of the resurrection, then we are in serious danger because it cuts to the heart of the gospel that saves us. And we see this, this question unfolding beginning in verse 12, don't we? But if it is preached that Christ has been raised, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Christ has been raised is central to the gospel. It is a key pillar of the gospel message. And so if that's being preached, how can we say that some aren't raised from the dead? And Paul is challenging that. Clearly, there are some in Corinth who doubted whether God's people would be raised, as Jack prayed earlier, that God's people would be raised, that they would be resurrected too. But Paul shows how it cannot coexist with the gospel because it has been preached that Christ has been raised. And because Christ has been raised, he has secured our future resurrection too. That's why he says in John 14, I am going to prepare a place for you, he told his followers. And Paul seems to be saying that to not believe the resurrection of Christ's people actually then disassembles the gospel of its heart. If we don't believe that God has the power to raise his people, then why did he have the power to raise Christ? And so the resurrection is crucial. And to go on to unpack why, with this continuous series of if-then statements, let me try to demonstrate it in this way. Again, to my mathematical mind, this was helpful. Hopefully it doesn't seem too complicated to you. But you can see that if-then, 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 it's repeated and repeated throughout this passage. If there is no resurrection from the dead in verse 13, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Because if the dead are not raised, then we're found to be false witnesses about God. Because we, we have preached that Christ was raised from the dead. And so if the dead aren't raised, then Christ could not have been raised. Therefore, we have been lying. We have been a false witness about what God is able to do and has done. If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And therefore, if only for this life we have hope, then we are of all people most to be pitied. Can, can you see how Paul unpeels 
this unbelief in the resurrection to show that if the dead cannot be raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then Christianity is futile. Belief in a Savior who is not raised is, is worthless. And the ultimate response, consequence of the if then is in fact to say, if there is no resurrection from the dead, as he starts in verse 13, then he concludes in verse 19 with, we are most of most people to be pitied. If we, if we are believing and staking our lives upon a dead Savior, we're most to be pitied. If this, then that. And maybe that sounds a bit somber, a bit downbeat for Easter Sunday morning. Because it is. If, that, if that's where the story would end, then that is, of course, downbeat and somber. Because if there is no resurrection, then the apostles' preaching is useless. They bore false witnesses about God. They bore false witness about God. Christ's body is still in the tomb, and our faith is futile. We're still in our sins, and we're most to be pitied. That sounds dreadful, and and I think we need to almost get to the rock bottom of that before we then are able to understand the the wonder of the button, verse twenty. That if Christ has not been raised. We are most people to be pitied. But Christ indeed has been raised. And so all of what Paul has been saying is reversed. Christ has been raised. If that, then that. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. If, then, but. Christ has been raised. And therefore, if you'll indulge me, let me go back and reverse that table. And rather than it saying, if all of these things, then all of those things, I think now we can say, because all of these things, so all of these things. Let me show you. If we replace the if with because, if we spin the negative statements into positive ones, we see the true reality. Because, verse 20, but Christ indeed has been raised. Therefore, because there is resurrection of the dead, we know, so Christ has been raised. Because Christ has been raised, our preaching is beneficial and your faith is so as well. Because the dead are raised, we are found to be true witnesses about God. Because the dead are, are raised, Christ has been raised. Because Christ has been raised, your faith is valuable. Your sins are wiped away. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are secure in him. Because we have more, because we have more than this life, we have faith in Christ. Therefore, we have a living, lasting, hopeful message to share with the world. The resurrection changes everything. If then, but, so. And so to have this transformed reality, to grasp the surety of the resurrection and to understand the implications of it, if the resurrection is based, at, based upon Christ being raised, if that is the foundation of our hope, if that is the way we know sins forgiven and life eternal, then just look at the couple of phrases that are specifically about if Christ has been raised or as we have changed it to be. Because Christ has been raised, what do we know? Because Christ has been raised, what do we know? Well, because Christ has been raised, our preaching is useful and so is your faith. See, because Christ has been raised, the message of the gospel is not just useful. It, it is valuable. It is urgent. It is the only thing that matters in this life. Because if Christ has been raised, then all that he claimed to be, all that he claimed to do, and all that he claimed to offer is true. Therefore, he must be listened to. 
The message that he came to give must be responded to. We must hear his offer of salvation and grace and respond. If Christ has been raised, then we must take him seriously. If Christ has been raised, then our faith in him is not just useful, it is eternally life-giving. Think of the Philippian jailer in, in Acts 17 when he hears Paul and Silas and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, Believe. Believe. They, he heard the message and therefore he needs to believe. The preaching of the gospel is useful and so is your faith. We need these things to know forgiveness from sin because if Christ has been raised, verse 17 goes on to implicate, if Christ has been raised, your faith is valuable and your sins are wiped away because the opposite is true. Did you see in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. But, verse 20, but Christ has been raised. So your faith is the opposite of futile. However strongly we can put that, worthwhile doesn't seem enough. Your faith is valuable. Your faith is is significant. Your faith is important. Your faith in Christ is necessary. Because if you have faith in Christ because he has been raised from the dead, then your sins are forgiven. And because your sins are forgiven, eternal life is yours with him. Because your sins are forgiven, then you no longer sit under God's wrath against your sin because Christ has wiped it. Christ has paid the penalty in full. And so by believing and trusting in him, we can know the life that the risen Savior came to give. Our sins are wiped away. Romans 4.25 says that he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. And so in that legal terminology, Christ's resurrection proves that, the, that God's wrathful, just um, outpouring against sin, punishment of sin, was satisfied in Christ. And so with, he, with him defeating sin and death, we can now be justified before the Father. And because all that is true, Because Christ has been raised, therefore our faith is beneficial, our preaching is beneficial, our faith is valuable, our sins are wiped away, those who've fallen asleep in Christ are secure. And because of all of that, because for more than this life we have hope in Christ, we are not of of all people most to be pitied. No, we are then sent into the world with this life-giving lasting hope to be shared with those who don't know it yet. For for those of us who believe and trust in Jesus Christ, we are not the ones to be pitied. Those who we know and love who don't trust in that message yet are. And we have a commission to go and to make this great gospel, new resurrection life message known to them. If, If we were ever to doubt why the resurrection is crucial, why Easter Sunday should be a joyous day for the Christian, this is it. Why is the resurrection crucial? Well, because through the resurrection, because of the resurrection, we know the penalty of our sins is fully paid. We know that it is finally paid. And we know that through repentance and faith in Christ's complete, victorious work, then we stand justified before our Father. Not because of what we have done, but because of everything He has done. And by coming under his sacrifice, being clothed in his righteousness, laying down ourselves before him 
and saying, Christ be Lord. And because of his resurrection, we know that he then empowers us to follow him. Because as he told his disciples, he had to go so the helper would come. And so because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven, then the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of those of all who trust in him to lead and to guide and to teach and to comfort us. And because now we have God with us in the Spirit, that, that, that is, the Spirit is given, as Scripture tells us, as a seal of our inheritance. Christ has gone to prepare a place. He sent the Spirit to seal that inheritance in us. And when we go to be with him in glory, then we will know that eternal life in all its fullness. See, the resurrection is crucial because our sins are wiped away. Our faith is in a risen Savior. And that brings justification. That that brings an assurance that our eternity is with him. And so, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If the dead are not raised, we're found to be false witnesses about God. If the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all of most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen? there's ever a time for an amen it's then yeah thank you danny if then but so let's pray together our heavenly father we thank you that we can come into your presence because of the risen savior thank you that because of the cross and the resurrection of jesus christ we can know our sins forgiven And we thank you that by his resurrection, you have sealed for us an eternal glory that has begun now for those who believe and trust in him. As we live with the Holy Spirit within us, seeking to to follow you and, and, and be obedient to you and surrender to you. But Father, we praise you that we don't need to have any doubt that the resurrection took place. And because of that, because of our assurance in the resurrection, as we see it in your word, Father, would you help us to live in the assurance of that? Help us to live as those who follow the resurrected Savior, the one who is victorious over life and sin and death, the one who is coming again to judge the the world, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who will sit reigning over all of creation, the one who will usher in the new heavens and the new earth, the one who is the spotless lamb who was slain for us. This is our savior. Help us to live not just in the knowledge of him, but in the reality of him at work in our lives, completely trusting in his finished saving work for us and empowered by the spirit that same power that raised him from the dead is now at work at those, in those who trust in him. Oh, Father, we thank you for the Easter account. This is not just a story. This is not just something that we celebrate a couple of bank holidays with. This is not just an excuse to, 
to pig out on chocolate. Father, this weekend where we see the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior is the most important thing. Not just that we know and we can engage with, Father, but it is the most important thing for our needy world. And so as Easter people, we just send us out to love and serve and proclaim this message for the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom. We give you all the praise, Father. Amen.